Guys, today I'm bringing you my podcast with Jim Gray. Jim is the vocalist of a band called Caligula's Horse. It's an Australian progressive metal band that I really, really like. He's also, as you're going to hear, a very thoughtful guy. He also has his own podcast. You can find his podcast, Music in Everything Podcast, on Instagram and twitch.tv slash Gray. And now, enjoy my conversation with Jim Gray. And we're off. So I am here today with Jim Gray, vocalist from Caligula's Horse. Jim, I will have given you a bigger, probably potted bio, somewhat inflated, uh, somewhat <laughs> fantastical right beforehand, so you don't have to worry about that. That's exciting. Um, first of all, uh, how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah? It's been a stressful, it's been a, str- a lot of stuff going on, a lot of, lot of things at home, uh, and uh, a lot of things with the band as well, and uh, I'm tired all the time, but outside of that, fantastic, how are you? I'm great, uh, so for some perspective for everyone, for what he just said, uh, Caligula's Horse seems like they've done a lot of touring, uh, basically you guys really hit the ground running right after the lockdown. Yeah, we tried to. Um it sort of it took us the whole uh, three year, nearly four year gap to sort of get back on the road internationally because it's it's hard enough doing international tours as an Australian to begin with, let alone you know post COVID and in the in the world that we know, the world that we now know. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been insane. We did a run through Europe and then Latin America, and then culminating in Prog Power Festival in USA. Uh, in Georgia, and that was uh, a delight. But uh, yeah, good to be home uh, on solid ground. Uh, it's just a little bit tiring. How uh, would you say these have gone? Were they what you expected? Was was the audience what you expected? Was your mental health what you expected? That's an interesting question. I kind of like, on, on the mental health side of things, it was actually a lot better than I expected because when you haven't done something for a really long time, something that particularly something that felt second nature previously, like, you know, playing a lot of shows and touring and stuff. You kind of wonder, like, am I still able to do this? You know, am I still, like, uh, capable? Um, and, uh, yeah, it turns out we are. And the the band dynamic and all of our mental health as a group and as individuals was, was amazing. In terms of the shows, like, I actually... <laughs> I set my sights very low. I, because it had been a long time. There'd been a we we hadn't released an album since 2020 uh, with Rise Radiant, uh, and of course we weren't able to tour on that. So like I had no idea whether we'd even have half of the number of people that were interested last time we were in Europe along. And it turns out there were even more. So you know we were playing these great shows to heaps of wonderful people all across the uh, the continent there. And Latin America was a dream as always, full of lovely people. Uh, who just want to sing as loud as they possibly can to the point where sometimes I couldn't hear myself, which was pretty amazing. Which is well-deserved listeners of this podcast and people who follow me will know that I am a big fan of the band, Um, which brings me to my um, more pressing questions. Some of it regards, some of it regards mental health, but it's a, it's a broader critique. I, I want to tell you a little story of how I came in for lack of a better phrase in contact with Caligula's horse (laughs) Uh, I, uh, you know, it was just randomly on a Spotify playlist one day, a song came up. I'm pretty sure it was Songs for No One. Um, And I remember it it was totally disconnected that this had happened. But I was searching, you know, and probably this is probably about 2017. It was right around when I had started my own band. And it was I was sort of searching for 
the destruction of the narrative of the tortured artist. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through this very interesting journey in, in you know, uh, trying to kind of consciously destroy it. And then um, in talking to actually Sam about what has gone on in the actual band, I found out some very, very interesting things. I found out that, um, you know, after talking to Sam, that the trope of the tortured artist is something that you guys seem to hold uh, as somewhat villainous. Mm. But I have also subsequently learned that despite this mature perspective, there was another perspective, at least from you, that was that maybe evolved into this. And I wonder um, about the balance between, you know, the guy who can create something and do something to the best of his ability and something that is so distinctly emotional and how it's connected to this woe is me side of existence. And I wonder if you could talk about that for a second. Well, I definitely dove into that a lot in the old days. I think when I was younger, it's a lot easier to kind of uh, enjoy the smell of your own shit I mean, especially when it's like, when it comes to you being interesting, you know, it's like, if if you can have something interesting and exciting and wrong with you, then that's, isn't that fun? Um, And you can sort of identify around that and and sort of make that a core part of your personality and all of that. And that's, that's, uh, I definitely did that with a lot of kind of depression stuff and a lot of anger stuff and a lot of ego stuff when I was younger, for sure. But uh, I think... I think the idea, like the frustration that I have with the the trope of the tortured artist is that it is uh, an excuse and it's exploitative. You know, so for example, we're seeing um, people who are able to create and who, like me, have had, you know, heaps of mental health struggles and stuff. And a lot of their artistry is caught up in that journey they've been on and their, their unique insight based on all of that. Um, and uh, and and yet they they struggle so hard with that that they end up, you know, in either dead or, 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 you know, abandoned or whatever else. And everyone else just kind of looks at that with the, oh, well, that's the price that they pay for our enjoyment kind of thing. You know, that's, that's the price that, you know, you know, there are some people burn brighter than others. It's like, no, well, maybe check on him once in a while, maybe ask, you know? So I, I, for me, I feel like it's, it's kind of a, a real, uh, it's a trap and it's exploitative and it's, it's a way that kind of, uh, people can kind of pat themselves on the back for not doing anything when it comes to people struggling because it's just they're supposed to. The idea is that you're supposed to. And that also sort of bleeds into the idea that you as an artist, if you buy that, if you drink that Kool-Aid and you you, you believe that bullshit, uh, you like accept that about yourself. You know, you, you struggle and you go through this awful experience and it's like, oh yeah, but this is what it takes for me to be able to create. And if I got rid of that, then... I wouldn't be able to create anymore and it's it's lies because you know i pursued medication for mental health stuff and the minute that that happened and i kind of found a little bit of balance i was able to create way more and way more regularly and way more in a controlled and professional kind of approach so it's like all the things that i had been missing from the creative space were being sort of held from me by this torture you know which is then lauded and celebrated by people who don't understand. So yeah, that's that's my big problem. It's a trap for everybody, and it's not good for anyone, and we should stop doing it. So I, I like how you put that. You encapsulated it nicely. You almost made it seem like there's. Uh, it's almost like a uh, a fight or a football game where everyone's kind of marveling at like the misery 
and kind of not not necessarily getting off on the misery, but it's like they're they're kind of there to see the weird freakish thing that someone is suffering within. Yeah, it's uh, uh, have a, have a little kind of it's almost like a I don't know voyeuristic gladiatorial arena, like where they kind of you know they have a glimpse through the window at what it must be like to to experience certain things like that, and then you can walk away and go hmm interesting, and and then have your lovely day uh, without sort of caring if that person doesn't make it on account of doing this for right you. you you go to the artistic space you go to the artistic space you're expecting to see the artsy things and here are the artsy things yeah and and um. yeah and then you sort of dehumanize people i think uh, it, it's another yet another way i know it's not unique to music obviously all creative space is very similar with this but it's yet another way that people kind of objectify artists a little bit because to assume that someone is like the tortured artist trope and that they are, you know, oh, they, they're struggling and therefore their art's going to be fucking fantastic, dehumanizes them in a way. Because all you've done is you've reduced them to a an art manufacturing, manufacturing complex. You know, you, you make good things, especially when we push the sad button. Can't wait to see what comes out of that. Instead of going like, I'm really sad that Jim is sad. I mean, the thing is, if... Uh, I don't know. I feel like if you're a real fan of what we do or like love what we do and you heard that you know, say we have to stop forever because Jim's going to freaking top himself if he has to do one more thing. Um, you'd probably feel some disappointment. <laughs> like, that's a shame. That's a real shame. But then afterwards, I'd, lo- I'd love to think that you'd go like, well, I'm glad Jim's taking care of himself. And, you know, it's a shame we won't get any more, but I'm glad he's still with us. Instead of like, fuck, man, one more album would have been nice. Maybe we could just squeeze that out. And then, you know, it's like, I, I don't like it. <laughs> Oh, bloody hell, man. When you put it that way, it's almost like, you know, the German uh, word schadenfreude? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it like that? Is, it, is that sort of what this Well, I mean, is? I think it's less kind of vindictive than that. Like, his, um, schadenfreude is uh, is a fun word to begin with. But also, it's like, I don't. I think people are passively doing this. You know, we saw it a lot during uh, the pandemic. I think I don't think this is like an active thought process that people go through. So they're not being vindictive or harsh or harmful or anything. It's just that they don't see the humanity in what you do. All they see is kind of how they enjoy what you create, I suppose, like their their kind of view of it. Yeah. So you would see a lot of things early in the pandemic with people going like, oh, man, this is such a hard time. This is so awful. We're all in this together. And geez, I can't wait to see what great art my favorite artists are going to come out with during this time. And my response to that internally was like, holy shit, fuck you. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, how how dare you? Like, I, I'm, I'm stuck, too. You know, I'm trapped, too. Here I am like struggling you were super tra- you were super trapped you were in australia yeah that and also we 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 like our industry i mean a lot of other people could shift to working from home and i know again this isn't unique to music and i want to specify that but like our industry got turned upside down the, the rug got pulled out from under our feet and everything that we were promised was gone everything that we'd worked for was gone so it's like to then hear somebody go like oof this is going to be so great for the next record it was just like hmm yeah, maybe take a, a second to think about that next time, bro. Uh, I mean, that being said, I I know you've been working on music. Oh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> we have. And it's, it's very good. Uh, so as it turns out, it turns out it's fine. It's an appropriate segue. I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to actually get there right now. I'm coming back to that. I'm, com- I'm circling back around to that. Yeah. But uh, it, that is a really interesting perspective. I, I wonder, do you reciprocate maybe like... Uh, there's a frustration on the part of the fan sometimes where they want to get close to you. 
and they kind of want to know you, but also that relationship is wholly inappropriate in some ways. Because the only thing you have in common with a fan necessarily is that they like the music you create, which, as I'm sure you know from firsthand discovery, might not really mean too much in the grand scheme of things. Um, Music is this very visceral experience that really can connect uh, people who are very, very emotionally and psychologically diverse. So the fact that uh, you know, fans kind of dehumanize artists in this way. I, I think I think that you're right about this, by the way, and mm. I think it's a very interesting lens through which to see that dehumanization. But uh, you know, the fact that they do that is rather unsurprising in a way. Well, I mean, because it comes from a place of love, which is which is why it's kind of like a, tr- a tricky thing to talk about. Because I don't want to sit here and kind of go like, eh, fucking people and their shitty opinions. Because like the fact is, it <laughs> it, it comes from the fact that they they love our stuff so much, but. They, you know, they, they do see us as these, these figures and you do see that in a really good way and a bad way sometimes. But like when, when you're touring, people come up to you and they're really familiar with you and I've done it. I, I fucking did it to Devin Townsend once. I didn't even realize when I met Devin Townsend, uh, for the first time we were playing on the same festival in Barcelona and, uh, he was down in the, uh, in the, in the sort of the, the cafe area downstairs and we were all having breakfast at roughly the same time. And I walked past him. I was kind of trying to pluck up the nerve because I'm a huge fan, man. I'm like an enormous fan. I'm a total dork. And like, eventually I walked up to him and I'm like, hey, Devin, how's it going, man? Great show yesterday. And he's like, oh, thank you. We talked for a little bit. And he just kind of paused and went like, I'm sorry. Do, do we know each other? Like, it, like obviously I'd, I hadn't introduced myself. I hadn't said anything. I just walked up and just bleh at him. And I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. And I introduced myself and he was really sweet about it. And he's a lovely guy. But I know exactly what it feels like to walk up to somebody who for like for all intents and purposes they've been a part of your life for like christ a, a decade or something like i mean clearly the source have been around since 2011 you know we we, yeah. we we might have fans who were freaking what 12 years old and their dad brought the album home and they listened they fell in love with it and now they're like in their early 20s <laughs> early to mid 20s yeah. and we've always been there in all of their musical memories we have always been there and like so you can imagine they walk up to you and it's like, oh, it's Jim. Holy shit. Hi. As though they know you. And um, I get nervous because I, <laughs> my memory is fucking awful. So I'm never quite sure if somebody is somebody that I've met and I know and I should know or whether it's somebody new that <laughs> that is just walking up and is being familiar. I'm not sure. But regardless, that same tone of familiarity that like, oh, wow is reflected in the negative way of of the whole like you know like oh that's jim from caligula's horse that's not jim gray human person father husband etc you know brother son all the other things that i am uh it's just just jim from caligula's horse yeah okay so that's a, a very that's a great explanation of that and it's a great perspective into that i think it's it's also powerful for people to realize that musicians can be fans Oh, you yeah. really have to stop your <laughs> yeah. Well, but like we're the biggest fans a lot of the time. Oh yeah, dude. You know, we're we're like the guys who've been sitting in our room trying to do the thing for you know three decades sometimes. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, shifting course a little bit here, uh, I want to ask you. You you have been working on new music, and I was just hoping some perspective on where the band is musically. Obviously, there's been a lot of evolution. Um, I feel like even since In Contact, a lot has like changed in the band 
Um, specifically, there are, I mean, I feel like the, the songwriting has gone from maybe perhaps more experimental to more direct and more of a recognizing of where the band's meat and potatoes is. And I just wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. That's an interesting observation, and that's not something that's necessarily going to stay true, but it is true, uh, because the that was essentially the mission statement for Rise Radiant. You know, so we had uh, In Contact in 2017, and that was like this big concept album, you know, four chapters, all these themes, these recurring things, you know, big, long, side-length song with graves, that kind of stuff. And um, with Rise Radiant, we went like, okay, well, let's challenge ourselves and do something a little bit different. Uh, let's try and write really concise and punchy tunes. We're going to try and, you know, tell our story- stories in a really concise way. We're going to be really direct with it. And it's going to have a really powerful and positive uh, message. That was kind of like the mission statement when we began. Like, what do we want to do? Bang, this. And so that's what we ended up doing. Um, I will say that's not necessarily the direction that sort of uh, the newer stuff has taken. I can't talk about it very much, but um, what kind of has changed is hilariously based on what I was saying before it it has changed a lot based on the um uh the experiences of the pandemic and everything that it, that we went through uh there was a lot of a lot of stuff that has changed the way that we kind of view things so so there's a there's a bit that's going to be different but um uh, we're very very proud of it i think one of the interesting things when you talk about like um the journey and how the music develops and changes in terms of songwriting and experience i think that like touring the world will always change you fundamentally as a person, but especially if when it comes to uh, being a creative, because I think a certain openness and worldliness that you get a kind of, and also sometimes a total shutdown. It's like you, you can be away for long. Shut downness is now a term. I've just, I've just invented. Um, but you know, if you, if you go uh, overseas and you just spend too time too far away, you find yourself being really intolerant. I just want to go home. Um, but uh, you know, like we had this experience in 2017, 2018 touring and then came back and I had nothing but a need to express the kind of love and connection that I felt based on that tour and the momentum we felt from that tour. And then obviously this, this newer material is kind of the opposite of that. But what was funny is that that, uh, material has been like finished and recorded and squared away and the minute that we were done with that while things are going on in the background is we jumped on a plane we went on tour and again I've had that reinvigorated in me now that kind of like awareness that openness that that worldliness has been kind of like revitalized um, and uh, I look forward to kind of making more music on the back of that so yeah it just goes to show that it's like the touring and the journey and the experience of playing these songs live isn't just about the music or the promotion or the album or whatever. It also sort of provides insight into where I want to go creatively from here. Interesting. Uh, so that's all, that's just a very symbiotic process. And mm. it seems like that's something you can fall into a rhythm to, and you can kind of, you can pick what you want from the experience and use it to power your composing. That, that is something that rings very true to me. Um, I wonder, uh, you know, so if you're going to, talk about things the way they've gone in the past in this cycle is this the way you anticipate them going in the future is touring a lot something that you want? i mean i don't i don't even want to say you guys toured a lot as a lot it was you know some bands are really out six months of the year oh yeah um <laughs> but is that is that something that you feel is coherent with your lifestyle as a father is that something that you can manage in the long run it is hard enough as it is with us doing like 
three to five week stints away from home. It's actually kind of like, it's our goal to not be away from home for more than three to three and a half weeks at a time. Like that, that's, that's genuinely something that we, uh, that we sort of aim for. And I think that a lot of other bands in our genre are following suit because the long tour, first of all, we've all had our shit rocked by COVID and we're all just like, all right, priorities have changed. It's like, excuse me. It's like when you have like a death in the family or something. And all of a sudden you, you are reminded that it's, you know, we're all just monkeys wearing shoes and we just need to spend time with each other. Um, and priorities need to change. Uh, it was kind of the similar with, with, with COVID where it's like, yeah, we could go and hustle and tour for two to three months straight and then come back and not know our kids. Uh, but it would be part of a gigantic uphill fucking Sisyphean torment. And, um, I, don't think it's going to go anywhere so what the fuck is the points whereas now if we go like we love the music we make we love the people who love our music let's go for three weeks at a time and play our music in different areas and do that and we'll get the experience and the insight and people will enjoy it you know that's kind of where i'm at right now i don't i don't want to be on the road for more than that length of time it's it's fucked up (laughs) it's not good for you i i am interested by something you just said uh do you think that the pursuit of music is anything but Sisyphean. Sisyphean. Yeah. Um, try and say that a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I feel bad for somebody with a lisp saying that. Um, Sisyphean <laughs> torment. Yeah. Well, the myth of Sisyphus. Uh, I feel like it kind of, I feel like it kind of is, but in a good way on the whole. I think yeah. that like, you know, any creative will tell you that it's just like the, the, the creatives that last are the ones that create because they must. It's like, we're not doing this to be superstars. <laughs> I've made the joke before, but it's like, if I wanted to be a superstar, I wouldn't have chosen prog metal uh, as my avenue to do so. Uh, but I, you know, so we have a need to create. This is the skill set that we've developed. This is the stuff that we love to do and we do it. Um, the The sort of hard part is finding yourself in this kind of mid- zone that is practically unsustainable what i mean by that is that it's like a band of our size needs to have a certain level of reach and tour and promotion uh in order to get to the sort of next level of being able to more comfortably do what we do um and to just sort of maintain where we are but the uh income and the everything that we get on the basis of us being at that level is not enough to sustain it on its own. You know, so it's like this thing where things still cost money. They're, they're, they're not like, you know, things are, tours are making some losses, that kind of thing, even in the position that we're at right now. Um, that's where the the kind of Sisyphean side of things comes in and you feel like it's kind of, you know, are we ever going to get out of this hole? Because the industry is a little bit kind of geared against us in that way, particularly in Australia, I will say. Um, that all sounds very... But isn't it beyond that? Isn't it beyond... Isn't it beyond the financials of the situation? Because if you're creating for because you are powered by creation, there's never going to be a time that's going to come where you think I'm really done. I mean, I know that it does maybe rarely happen. There's this funny interview with like Bill Bruford from Yes after Close to the Edge. He quit the band after Close to the Edge. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was enormously powerful. He said, this is what the whole band existed for. I quit after this moment. Um. Yeah, so I mean, and th- there are these rare examples of people getting out, 
but uh, I, I feel like the the Sisyphus thing is just the most obvious kind of mythological comparison here. By the way, um, have you seen the uh, Haken record, The Mountain? I have, yeah. Remember that album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that there's a Sisyphus on there. Really? Yeah, so I pointed it out. I've been pointing it out to people because no one notices it. He kind of blends into the background. This. I'm just gonna. Open yeah, up. yeah. You're gonna. You're gonna love it. Like I was just. I was staring at it the other, uh, like a year ago, because I love that record. And I looked hard. If you look to the left, uh, you'll see him. Uh, Holy shit! Tell me when you. <laughs> yeah, you notice him. <laughs> you must be joking. Is that like <laughs> you never noticed that? So that's like right at the bottom left. I'm see. It's, I'm not getting a high quality version of this. Thanks, Wikipedia. You jerk. That is insane. How did I never see that? I just saw him like the mountain. There it is. I'm taking that at face yep. value. Uh, that's wild. Very so, cool. <laughs> we learned today. I have a question for... As an artist, do you think that they intended for a moment like this where you don't notice it until you're thinking of Sisyphus? Um, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know what goes through anyone's head that's smarter than me. I kind of like... <laughs> I have this weight. I'm zooming in now because I feel like I'm going insane. <laughs> there is. There he is. Holy shit. <laughs> what an... How the fuck? I feel like I'm being lied to. That's insane. <laughs> I'm going to have you've words. Uncovered this, <laughs> you've uncovered this conspiracy. Yeah. And now I've gone too deep. Um, I'm going to lose my mind. Um... Yeah, I, I have no idea what goes through other people's minds, but we have like a, a really interesting kind of approach to album art where we find an artist that we really love and kind of trust and we give them an extensive kind of brief based on the content and the concepts of the album. We give them the lyrics, we give them the demos, we go like, here's the kind of framework for vibes that we like out of stuff that you've done. And then they go away and do something. And more often than not, they'll come back and we'll go, holy shit. It's something that we would never have thought of. It's totally in keeping with the sound of the album. But it's not something that like I would like if I sat down with like, oh, man, it'd be so good if you could do like a mountainscape with like a deer in the middle. Kind of look at, you know, it's like we wouldn't. <laughs> I can't I can't think of that stuff. That's not my job. So like um, it's not what I'm good at. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when we uh, when we work with an artist, we kind of find people we trust and then kind of develop the idea you know, through them based on the concepts of, of what we've got. Um, other bands might do it different. I don't know. Other bands might go like, hey, man, could you hide Sisyphus in here to freak Jim from Caligula's horse out in years? Like, <laughs> lots of years. We haven't met him yet, but years from now, it's going to be I a moment. I think that th it was purposefully subtle. It was obviously purposefully oh, yeah. subtle. He's camouflaged. Um, but I, I, I love so much, uh, like, in album covers, having metaphors like that and having, like, For sure. mythology kind of fleshed out in, in what happens. Um, all right. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I got a couple lightning round questions. All right. And uh, pretty, pretty simple. One thing is, uh, talk briefly about the dynamic between you and Sam. How has it changed? What is it today? And what are you looking forward to? Um today it's very different from how it started because we were, we're totally two different uh people entirely uh now we i mean like we met years before we started working together but i think we started working together roughly late 2010 i think because we were sort of talking about me coming on as a guest with the uh sam's then solo album which was going to be called caligula's horse um 
and uh yeah the dynamic was good it was always fun and that's what happened like we started recording these demos and these songs and kind of going like oh you know what let's just do the whole album together and then yada 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 then now i'm talking to you um so many years later but uh the um the thing that happened early on is that like lots of kind of ego clash mostly from me uh because i was very sensitive at the time so it's like the i'm still sensitive now but uh it, this was different this was more like uh ideologically attached to my ideas to a level that was that was unreasonable in a collaborative setting so like if i you know sam and i clash would have arguments and it was it was not as much of a positive space like around the river's end kind of era and then gradually as we got older and lots of things changed we had a lot of experiences together like any relationship we got sort of closer and we understood each other a bit better and even more that's growing now and especially because we're both dads we're both you know late 30s you know we're both you know going through uh all of these changes uh especially post-covid so it's like we have a really strong creative dynamic now where things are direct and quick like quick fire between us bang 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 ideas back and forth and, but that directness is never cruel or rude or clashes anymore. It's collaborative. So it's changed a lot over the years for the better, for sure. Excellent. Um, so you have, uh, you did a lot of ballet when you were younger. I did. Um, you have also done a lot of training. Mm-hmm. Um, you've dealt in the very feminine and you've dealt in the very masculine I am wondering what the lessons are. Is there a balance? Is there something to be learned in masculinity from a lot of femininity and having a lot of experiences in things that are purposefully feminine? Or are they two separate categories of just being? Is there some sort of a dividing line or is it more of a spectrum? And I I don't mean in like the political like gender ideology sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just mean, is there something that can be achieved for masculine men by coming very into contact with feminine virtues? Um, I've actually, you know, what's interesting is that the more kind of like, uh, um, probably what we might describe as feminine stuff that I, uh, sort of celebrate about myself and accept about myself, the more I'm able to also accept and celebrate my masculine self. So for example, like, I mean, like I'm a lyricist, I'm a poet, you know, I like to paint my nails. I'm like, a singer in a, a prog band and uh when i sing i like to close my eyes and and be quite fluid and, and try to kind of emote as clearly as possible now a lot of those things you might call feminine i don't, I don't necessarily think that they arbitrarily are but i mean on a, on a spectrum on a scale of course um but what that means is that like when when you start looking at yourself that way and kind of go like well what are the aspects of myself that are more um that are softer or the, the you know that i can uh explore that are kind of a little less harsh or how do I soften myself? How do I make myself more approachable and more just nicer to be around? You kind of start seeing the spectrum of your real self and you kind of go like, okay, well, I do have these things about me and this is a truth about me and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be soft in that way. But also then I observe the moments and the times when I'm not and the ways that I'm not. I'm like, uh, this is how I'm strong. You know, we had a, an incident uh, with my family. I won't go into it, but like we had an incident with my family. We were attacked by a neighbor. Um, and uh, there was a point where it was, it was, I thought it was going to be life-threatening and uh, we were really tested and my wife got the kids out and I, I stood and was ready to fight him uh, with a knife in my house. So like attacked by a neighbor. Yeah. It was, he was a drugger. It's, it's just, it's a whole thing. He had a chainsaw. It was fucked up anyway. So like I, and in that moment it took me, it's, it's still taking me years to process this, by the way, the trauma from that is not, not gone, <laughs> but like I, stood my ground. I like, I never expected myself to do anything like that. And when it came down to actually like fight or flight, life or death kind of thing, 
I stood and I was ready to fight. And so there's something about myself like that is that's my masculinity. That's that's my the the core of myself is I was ready to fight for my family when it when it came down to it. So like and that's me, a soft guy who used to do ballet, sings in a band, all of that. Um, so two more questions for you. And, uh, first one is, uh, you know, you have a new record that is, I, I'm just kind of curious if there's anything you can tell us about dates. Uh, and you said you didn't want to say much about it. I'm just curious if there's anything you can tell us about it that you're excited for. Um, well, I mean, like arbitrarily, I, I mean, just it's because it is true, I'm excited because we haven't done a release since 2020 and I'm, I'm I'm fucking thrilled to put some stuff out there. I'm particularly excited about this one because there is some there is some different stuff on there. It is kind of a not a, a, like an enormous holy shit what are they doing uh genre departure, but there is a stylistic departure in that is a little bit darker. Um and I'm looking forward to to sharing that. Um and in terms of dates I can't, but uh you know, it won't be too long. Hopefully. Excellent. And final final question here. What are the future plans of the band in regards to touring? Is there any kind of American run in the future? I'm in America. Um, people are here. We know you did Prague Power. Are you planning on coming to the States at some point in the next future? Yes. Short answer, yes, absolutely. Uh, long answer, we have uh, we have had plans in the works for some time. Obviously, we had the, the tour in 2020, the ill-fated uh, tour on Rise Radiant, which would have been in May 2020, which is when things just went crazy. So that never happened. And we've been trying to make a return happen ever since, and it is now very much in the works. So, yes, short answer. Excellent. So do you have anything you want to say to fans, uh, friends, and followers of the show? Anything you would like to mention or... Guys, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> literally the best your fan your fans are very your fans are very very into caligula's horse just for anyone listening there are kids who are now emerging playing covers of very complicated guitar songs oh, yes. frankly and it's uh that level of engagement with the band is obviously there and that's something that's great to see um jim it was phenomenal to finally talk to you today um, I will be happy to talk to you again in the future. Um, oh, actually, you need to shout out your podcast. I and, do. Uh, all of your stuff. I do actually have my own podcast. It's called The Music in Everything. Uh, it's not actually about music, despite the name. Uh, it's me, uh, my brother, and my sister-in-law basically diving into topics that they research and trying to find out what, uh, what it is that makes those things sing. So we're trying to find the, the joy in new stuff. Uh, we've done episodes on things like coffee on uh cave diving on uh chilies you know dinosaurs all kinds of stuff so it's uh it's sort of edutainment focused it's really really fun and uh, we've had a blast with it um the other thing i did want to shout out while i'm here is that i do stream on twitch uh also not music <laughs> this stream i've created something of a, a a comfort community uh with a number of people who um feel at home there uh and i twitch under the the i uh, sorry i stream under the name of uh the real jim gray on twitch and uh yeah we play games we hang out we have a good time excellent jim um so it was great to talk to you today i will have the links to all of that stuff because you sent them right below in the U in youtube section and on spotify um well signing off here jim gray zeke sky thank you guys so much for tuning in thanks guys bye